Luke chapter 13, verse 31, and that's page 1047. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go and tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Joy, good morning. I'll, uh, it's a great joy to uh, see you all here. Uh, my name's Daph and I have the privilege of us looking together at these few verses in Luke's Gospel. If uh, you're new to us this morning, what we do is we work through passages of the Bible and uh, we're in a, a study in uh, the Gospel of Luke. So let me pray as we come to look at the Bible together. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much that you're the God who speaks. I thank you we can welcome members of Fusion in this morning to uh, the talk. Please give them and all of us great understanding of your word that we might be those who know and love the Lord Jesus more as a result and know that we are known and loved by him for his name's sake. Amen. Now if you're a Christian here, I wonder if you've ever had a hard time for following Jesus. Or maybe at work someone said, are oh, you a bit of a Bible botherer? Or they've said to you in the school playground, you don't, you don't go to church to you every week. Or maybe at school someone's given you a hard time. Uh, certainly for one of uh, our children, when uh, they were much smaller at primary school, um, they had some uh, friends one day who got round them in the playground and started dancing round them going, I hate Jesus, I hate Jesus, again and again and again. You know how kind children can sometimes be. Have you ever had a, uh, someone give you a hard time for following Jesus? And when we feel like that, when we feel like rejected, well, those are very hard feelings to deal with. I guess we can respond in, in two ways. We might respond by fleeing. We, we can run away. You know, we can run away from the people who are giving us a hard time. Or more commonly, we can run away by thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not going to actually mention church or, or Jesus again. Uh, or we can run away by thinking, I'll just try and fit in with everyone else. I'll just, I'll just be like them. As, as long as I fit in, then I won't, won't get a hard time. We, we can flee. The, the other way we can react is in fury. We can just get angry. You know, we can look down upon them. Well, of course, they're, they're giving me a hard time because they're not Christians like I am. I mean, they don't believe in Jesus like me. You look at all the terrible things they do that I don't do. We can actually judge people. 
That can be quite emotionally satisfying, but not particularly constructive. Have you ever had a hard time for following Jesus? Because in this section of Luke's gospel, Jesus himself is having a hard time. He is meeting more and more opposition. Uh, from chapter 9 and verse 51, we've seen Jesus set out resolutely for Jerusalem. Now that's an extraordinary thing because Jesus knows that at Jerusalem he is going to die. It's where his enemies live. And as he goes on this journey, more and more the Jewish religious leaders of the day uh, have been giving him a hard time. Uh, the government officials of the day, the king, Herod, has been giving him a hard time. You see, Jesus... He had a hard time when he was on earth. And that takes us to the first thing we see in our Bible reading this morning, the unavoidable opposition to Jesus. The unavoidable opposition to Jesus. See, if you were here last week, we saw that Jesus warned the the Jewish religious leaders around him that the, the door to getting into God's kingdom was very narrow. In other words, the only way that you could be friends with God was through following Jesus Christ. But if you reject Jesus, well, one day you'd find that door shut and you couldn't be friends with God on the day Jesus returned to judge the world. Look what happens next in Luke 13, 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Uh, The Pharisees were the the Bible scholars of the day, uh, the religious leaders. And we don't quite know their motives as they say this. I mean, perhaps they're saying, look, I'm warning you. I'm warning you, Jesus. Just just be, be a bit careful. You know, Herod wants to kill you. Or maybe they're saying, I'm warning you, Jesus. You need to get out of here. Because Herod wants to kill you. Well, we don't quite know. I think probably it's, it's that second one. The, the Pharisees are angered by Jesus and they want to get rid of him. I'll tell you why. Because back in Luke 11 verse 53 we read, When Jesus left there, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. No, no, it's like the, these Pharisees are probably like the, the wicked witch at the panto, you know, the, the queen in Snow White. They've disguised themselves as being friendly, but actually they've got it in for the Lord Jesus Christ. They want to trap him. You see, we mustn't be surprised if we get a hard time for following Jesus because the Lord Jesus Christ himself had a hard time when on earth. Oh, we mustn't be surprised if we get a, a hard time from the religious authorities because that's what Jesus gets here. We mustn't be surprised if we get a hard time from the government, because that's who Herod is here. You see, if if you're part of a religious establishment that that has uh, kudos, that has power and status in society, well, people coming along and just being a little bit negative about you and a little bit overexcited about Jesus, actually, you'd rather they didn't do that. And if you're part of a, a political establishment that wants the quiet life, then people stirring up others about Jesus, you don't want them to do that either. You probably know some of the examples of the way that Christians have had a hard time from the religious establishment and political authorities. Uh, so just a, a few years ago, the Christian Institute, uh, which is a, an organization that uh, tries to protect the rights of Christians in this country, reported on a, a church that was handing out Easter leaflets one Sunday. They're just inviting people to their Easter services, but, but someone called the police. Uh, someone told the police that 
they were being negative about those who had issues and questions about sexuality. Uh, they'd not said anything about sexuality. Their leaflets just said, come to our Easter service. It didn't say anything about sexuality at all. But five policemen turned up, two of them riding horses and three in riot gear. Now, now of course, the police are only doing their job. They, they've got to keep the peace. That's what the police are there for. But in the end, if you want a quiet and peaceful life, don't be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus stirs up opposition. I know a friend who started a new church in a, in a city with a, a great cathedral. you think that was a great place to start a, a new church. But, but one of the people, the dean in charge of the cathedral and the chaplain of the university, they were so bitterly opposed to this new church that when they saw my friend's wife, they ignored her. They blanked her. A bit like in the playground if you've fallen out with someone and they pretend you're not there. Except you'd hope for slightly better from ministers in the church in their midlife. But, but if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, don't expect that people won't ignore and blank you because people ignored and blanked Jesus when he was alive. In fact, we want to be more worried if we, we don't face opposition for following Jesus. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In other words, if if you want to be someone who follows the Lord Jesus, who lives a life for him, then you will be persecuted. You will get a hard time. You will face opposition. It's what's happened all the way through history. Uh, You you may well know the the reason we can sit here uh, reading the Bible in English is because a guy called William Tyndale at the beginning of the 16th century wanted to make the Bible simple enough for the the plowboy to understand it. The simplest young man to be able to understand the Bible. So he translated into English. Do you know what they did to him? They wanted to kill him. He He had to run away across the continent. And eventually in 1536, the Spies of the king caught up with him. They tied him to a stake, strangled him and burnt him for translating the Bible into English. You see, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, there will be opposition. And can I say to us parents here this morning, are we leading our kids to expect that? You see, I wonder if we're too quick to to buy into the, the, the culture around us that always says... Well, everything the government says is true. Everything you hear at school is true. Everything you see on the television is true. I'm not saying we need to breed young little cynics, you know, who who are burning placards outside the BBC and voting for the Green Party. I'm just saying that maybe we need our children to be a bit more discerning. Day by day, they're going to schools where the majority of people in the the uh, the educational philosophy is one opposed to Jesus. Day by day, they're watching television produced by people who are opposed to Jesus. The majority of the government of the United Kingdom is opposed to Jesus. We'd like to try and help our, our children somehow understand that. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's unavoidable opposition. The question is, how are you going to respond to that? And it takes us to our Our second heading, it's the unstoppable mission of King Jesus. The unstoppable mission of Jesus. Look how Jesus responds in verse 32. 
Go and tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. (laughs) The Lord Jesus Christ is not afraid of telling people straight, is he? Uh, We sometimes use the term fox as as a compliment. You know, you old fox, you, as though it was something positive. But in Jesus' day, the fox was looked down upon, despised, a bit like some of those mangy foxes we see walking around the king's center. They were dirty and disease-ridden. Jesus is not being polite about King Herod here. You think you're some big king? Well, I've got news for you. You're not. And nothing, no one can stop me bringing in God's kingdom, says Jesus. Do you see that at the end of verse 32? No one is going to stop Jesus reaching his goal. Uh, The third day might well be a hint of Jesus' resurrection. That that great day when Jesus' mission on earth was completed. The day when sin was officially and finally declared paid for. When death was defeated. when, When the gates of heaven were thrown open so that everyone who followed him could be friends with God. You see, Jesus says, Herod, you can't stop me. I'm going to keep going on my mission. And he does. He relentlessly walks on to Jerusalem, the place where he's going to die. Look how he says it in verse 33. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. In one way, he's showing how unimportant Herod is. Herod ruled over the north of the country. He didn't even rule over Jerusalem. It's as though Jesus is saying, look, Herod, the privilege of killing me, it goes to the guys in the south. You don't even have anything to do with it. And sadly, Jerusalem had a a history of killing those who God sent to it to to tell them about his love for them, to call them to, to follow him. But Jesus still resolutely sets his face towards Jerusalem. He marches on to the place where the opposition is greatest. He goes to where he knows he is going to die because nothing stops King Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ here, can I say to you that in the end, that there is no point in opposing him? In the end, even, even the people who schemed to destroy him, who, who thought they were getting rid of him, in fact, their plan was part of God's plan to put his son to death on the cross, that he might die in our place to take the punishment that we deserve. They hated Jesus, but it was being used by God's love so that we could be forgiven. And no friendship with a father in heaven forever. Now, there's no point in stopping opposing King Jesus. But that's a huge encouragement for us who are Christians, who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we see Jesus walk to the cross for us, we know that nothing could stop him. And nothing stops him today. As the message of his great love for us in, in the gospel, the good news, is taken around the world in the, in the power of the Spirit, still nothing stops King Jesus' mission. You know, churches can be a mess. They can be filled with, with leaders who, who think it's all about them. They can be filled with people who won't teach the Bible properly. And we can think, oh, what's going on in England? I mean, every time I see the church on the television, it's a nightmare. It's, it's such a terrible reputation. But don't worry. Nothing stops King Jesus. Uh, the government, they may seem to be 
going to pass laws that will make it very hard to, for us to be Christians. They may even say that we publicly can't tell people that Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God. The, the BBC might suggest on its website that it's wrong for Christian doctors to talk to their patients uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ or to pray with them. But, but don't worry, nothing stops King Jesus. He marches on. And therefore we've got to march on too. We, we mustn't be afraid of those who give us a hard time for following him. No, we've got to tell them that there's a God who loves them. He sent his son to die for them. And nothing could stop his mission to save them. And actually, throughout history, God has sometimes used times of persecution, times of opposition, to grow his church, to bring more people to the Lord Jesus Christ. He does it in the Bible, in the book of Acts. When opposition comes, what happens? The, the followers of Jesus are distributed further and further afield, and as they go, they tell others about him. He's done it in, in China over the last 50 to 70 years. When the, when the first missionaries left China because of communist persecution, they thought, what's going to happen without us? How can possibly the church grow without us? And then 30, 40 years as they got back into the country, they discovered the church had exploded. Literally millions of people had become followers of Jesus Christ. Maybe the, the Lord does that in our day, in this country. He'll use the persecution we receive, the fact that we get a hard time for following Jesus, to sharpen our trust in him. Maybe to strengthen us by his spirit, that we might be more distinctive and speak more quickly of Jesus. We had a girl in our church in Preston who went on a short-term mission trip to Thailand and when she came back, she told us the story about how the Thai government was absolutely fed up with people running Bible studies in the prison in Bangkok. So they had a clever idea. What we'll do is we'll split this Bible study up and send the different prisoners to prisons all over Thailand, and that'll stop them. The result? Bible studies in prisons all over Thailand. Nothing stops King Jesus. It is the unstoppable mission of King Jesus. But, but you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he's not sort of hard-hearted as he presses on. No, as we see him come to Jerusalem, we see the last thing. It's the unquenchable love of Jesus. The unquenchable love of Jesus. Because it would be easy, wouldn't it, if you've been rejected by your own people? If, if you're going towards a place that you know someone is going to kill you, to, to be someone who thought, well, stuff them. But, but that's not Jesus' attitude. Look at verse 34 with me. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Oh, Jerusalem, you take such pleasure in killing God's messengers. Over the years you've rejected his his love and his word again and again. And yet, what does Jesus say? I, 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 I'm like a, a hen. Do you know what a hen's like? I do a great hen. It's a super hen. And, and, and when she's got chicks, she, she, she gathers them under her wings, brings them in like this so they're safe. Sometimes you can, all you can see is wing and this little yellow head poking out. Safe chicks. 
it's a bit like, I suppose, there, I think there are two types, of, uh, two types of mother in the world. I mean, this might be a small generalization. But there are generally two types. I don't know which one you had or which one you've got. So the first type of mother is the one when you're running down the pavement and trip over something, bang, you fall on the floor, and they go, oh, for goodness sake, get up, darling. That's a small graze. You'll find some bider twine in the horse box to strap your leg up with. There's that sort of mother, you know. The hearty, just ignore you. And then there's the other mother, which you're running down the pavement, you fall over, fall on your knee, ow, and they run over and they scoop you up in your ar- their arms and, and they hug you close and tight and you feel so safe and protected and secure. That, that's, that's what Jesus says he longs to do to Jerusalem, to, to scoop them up, to, to, to protect them, to, to bring them close. But did you see the problem in verse 34? They weren't willing. That, that, that's the question Jesus Christ asks to every human being. Do you know that? Are you willing? I long to, to scoop you up in my outstretched arms at the cross to, to bring you safety and protection. That, that's what the verse we read in our confession talked about, wasn't it? To bring you safety and protection, to, to bring you close to me that you might be forgiven your sins, to bring you close to me that you might know you're loved by my Father in heaven, to protect you from the righteous anger you deserve. I long to do that for you. Are you willing? Well, they weren't willing. And if they weren't willing, there was a dreadful result. It it comes in our last verse, verse 35. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The temple right in the middle of Jerusalem was known as the house of God. It's described like that in Luke's gospel earlier. It was at the very heart of of the Jews' worship, their relationship with God. Because at the temple, you made sacrifices that dealt with your sin and restored your relationship to God. And 70 years after Jesus speaks these words, that temple is destroyed as as the Roman armies come and besiege Jerusalem and flatten it once and for all. There has never been a temple in Jerusalem since that day. The very place you as a Jew would look to for your relationship with God has ceased to exist. If people reject Jesus, then he will reject them. But but he longs to take them in. You you see that at the end of verse 35, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's from Psalm 118. It's a quote. Uh, That's a song of salvation. It's a song all about how God's king comes to save his people. It's actually the song that the people sing as Jesus comes into Jerusalem later in Luke's gospel. Luke 19.38, they sing, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But the Jewish religious leaders, they won't sing that song about Jesus. And there is still salvation open to the Jews. If they will just recognize Jesus as the Messiah of Psalm 118. That's the extraordinary thing. God doesn't even give up on the people who crucify his son. And neither should we. We should be those who are really keen to say the gospel taken to Jewish people. That they might hear of King Jesus. In fact we should be those who are keen to see the gospel taken to anyone. We should have hearts 
that like Jesus is, look upon even those who oppose us and long for them to come to know him. The famous preacher John Stott, who died a few years ago, was based in London. Do you know what he said was the, the greatest need for, for British evangelicals, British people who believe the Bible? We needed more tears. More tears shed over the lost. When, when was the last time you cried because someone rejected Jesus? We've got some friends coming in a couple of weeks' time. They're friends from Preston. And uh, Rich, uh, I used to play uh, uh, rugby with Rich um, in my slightly bigger days. Um, it, you bond with someone who you've shared with. And we, we, we used to go running together as well. It wasn't a pretty sight. Um, the idea was that when we went running, we'd talk about Jesus. The problem was that required me to be able to breathe and run and speak at the same time. Two of those were, were too many. And it wasn't really a great advert for the gospel because I, I sweat a lot and um, I, I sort of sound like a man who smoked 40 a day all his life as I run. <laughs> so it wasn't very pleasant. But anyway, the great thing about Rich is he'd come to any event we put on in church where we had a talk about Jesus. It was brilliant. You know, so I, I, could, I could turn up to, to our quiz night. Oh, yeah, I've got my, um, my non-Christian friend here, Rich. Yeah. I bought him. Have you got your non-Christian friend? I've got Rich. You turn up, he did Christianity Explored. I've got Rich. He's really interested in Jesus. Have you got your non-Christian friend on our course? I've got Rich. No? We, we had a, 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 a service on Christmas Day. I've got Rich. He comes to the carol service. You got your non-Christian friend? I've got Rich. I'd have been stuffed if Rich got converted. But, but that, that's what struck me about, about him coming down next week with, uh, with Eve, his wife. That I can, te- I, can, I can tell that to you as a little joke and actually haven't really thought about him that much or prayed about him that much over the last couple of years. Um, sometimes you realize that you know, you're really important to your non-Christian friends. Rich and Eve asked me to, to be godfather to their daughter. And yet, I just, I just don't have the same attitude as, as the Lord Jesus has here. And that's to my mate. <laughs> Jesus' heart is, is filled with compassion for the people who are just about to kill him. We need, we need to pray that we'd have unquenchable love, just a little bit more like Jesus'. And maybe you're here today and, and you're someone who's been a bitter opponent of Jesus Christ. Maybe you think that your heart has been so hardened to him that he could never have you back. Well, look at his unquenchable love for the city that's about to put him to death. He will always have you back. But the question is, are you willing? So have you ever had a hard time for following Jesus? Well, you need to know, opposition is unavoidable. They oppose Jesus. They'll oppose his followers. That's going to be normal for you. But at the same time, remember, his mission is unstoppable. He's God's king. Nothing's going to stop him. In fact, God even uses the opposition to bring people into relationship with him. He did it through Jesus Christ. He's done it in history in the past. He's doing it today. Maybe he's going to do it through us in the UK. And lastly, 
you need to remember that in the midst of it, Jesus' love is unquenchable, even for those who reject him. So for us here today who are followers of Jesus Christ, let's not be self-righteous. Let's not look down upon the lost. Let's not condemn our nation out of hand and feel a little bit better about ourselves. Let's pray that we might love them as the Lord Jesus loves us. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank and praise you for your love for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. That even though he faced opposition and hardship, even though he was hated and rejected, he marched on unstoppable to his death for us because of his unquenchable love. Please, would you give us confidence in the good news about him? Will you give us courage uh, to tell other people that we follow him? Uh, Would you give us a tender heart that loves them just a little bit in the way he does? That he might receive all the glory for Jesus' name's sake. Amen.